I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Is ChatGPT better at picking stocks and hedge fund managers? According to an eight-week study in the UK, the answer is yes, and it's not even close. The Writers Guild of America is currently on strike. One of the major issues is that writers do not want to be displaced by artificial intelligence. Black Tech Twitter may have found a new home on the invite-only federated social media startup Blue Sky. And are passkeys the solution for people's bad habits when it comes to using passwords? Is authenticating via your device a safer option? Got all this and more for you in episode 82 of The Tech John. From Columbus, Ohio, I'm your host, Rob Dunwoody. And coming out of Philly, it's your girl, Tech Life Steph. And out of Atlanta, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech, a.k.a. Soccer season is over. So uh, my Mondays and Saturdays are free until we start all over again with summer camp. I don't know about y'all, but trying to find summer camps nowadays, since COVID's over now, everything is booked super duper early or it's super duper expensive. So these summer camps, these folks trying to get that money that they missed so they uh using, I don't know if it's inflation, I don't know if it's get back, I don't know what it is, but if you ain't, your kids ain't in summer camp by now, it's a wrap. <laughs> I mean, kids just don't play outside in the summer no more, like all nope. summer long. Nope. That's and then, crazy. And then, make matters worse, they be like, all right, we need $1,800 a week. And it's from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. It's like, they whoa, ain't whoa, whoa. all day. Did, did you, uh, is that a real number? No, I was gonna say what? <laughs> or I was like, well, you got you got three kids, but you you know your your first your two girls is older. They probably don't necessarily need the camp anymore, do they? Well, no, they do. They uh, still need my, it? The, my my oldest daughter goes to uh, band camp for the summertime. Okay, with the school, and then my middle child, she's in the art, so we're putting her in art classes, art camp, uh, online and in person, and then the youngin. You know, he does the sports camps. So, you know, he does think they're going to do basketball and baseball and softball and all that. Now, if it really costs $1,800 a week, none of them would be doing nothing. <laughs> but at the same time, ain't nothing like uh, trying to entertain kids during the day when you're trying to get work done. So even though it's expensive, it's like, ah, get out my face, though. <laughs> Still get out of my face. <laughs> Times have changed. That's all I got to say. Because we was like, go outside. Don't come back till, <laughs> you know, the street lights come on. And that was it. <laughs> you know, I remember, when I was a kid, be like, once you go out, you can't come back in. You you, you out, you out. So, you know, yeah, uh, you, you know, know, grandma, I'm thirsty. Fine. Better go to that hose, get you some hose water. <laughs> It's like now folks will act like that's actually like a health crisis that your child is drinking out the hose. It probably kind of is, but still. Times change. You got you got to get with the times, I suppose. Like I get it, but that's that that is you know, and and everybody is not able, especially with multiple children, to try to ensure that they that their schedules are occupied twenty four hours a day for a three month span, like. Why don't we have an expectation that our kids can use their imaginations for some stretch of time and, and, and keep themselves occupied? Like, why is that a, a awful, like a, like a concept that 
seems outrageous now. I don't, I don't understand. Like y'all got books, y'all got computers, y'all got tablets, y'all got every single thing in the world at your fingertips in your rooms. Like now I got to pay for camp too. Like that's something about that just does not seem right to yeah, me. We had bikes and outside. That's, that's what we That had. was it. That's what, Go that's outside all you, and all you I'll needed see you was a bicycle and on. outside. That's yeah. it. But at the same time, I am not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure if we grew up in the digital age that our kids are growing up now, we'd be some hermits in our rooms and our parents begging us to go find something to do. It's just just the sign of the times. That's yeah. how things are. So kids need imagination. Did, kick, y- y'all ever play kick the can? It's like that. That's that's a, that's a game you have to imagine. It's like basically we gonna play we gonna play hide and seek on teams with a can that you got to go kick that freeze people and stuff like Listen, that. Listen, like, we made up, up all kind of games. Yeah. We used to play this game and it was like the funnest game ever. We would go, you know, because I'm you know I'm low key hood, uh, so we would go in the basement of one of the project buildings near my house and like there was always this one enclosed cinder block room, like this big room that was just cinder block, four walls of cinder block and a door. And we would go in there with a jack ball, like the ball you play jacks with Mm. and play dodgeball with the jack ball. But everything was fair. So if it bounced off the ceiling and still hit you or bounced off of two walls and still like, so you just, you just had this little ball pinging everywhere and everybody running, ducking, dodging, like, and that was the funnest thing ever. So unsafe, so dangerous, so <laughs> fun to be in a room so with a jack ball. It, it, it could have hit your eye, you know. But anyway, yeah, funnest game ever. So, yo, before we get to the tech, just want to remind everybody if you would like to support the tech john, head over to patreon.com forward slash the tech john, where we've got multiple tiers over there, any one of which gets you access to our live stream and after party. And a couple of those tiers actually get you access to a ad free stream. So once again, if you want to support the tech john, head over to patreon.com forward slash the tech J A W N. And with that, we're going to jump into a couple of these stories. We actually had quite a few of them. Terrence, I know the first one that you stuck in here was uh chat you know was you know it was about chat GPT. We've been talking about this for six months now. And can it actually pick stocks better than your fund manager? The answer is yes. <laughs> it, it, it can. Well but, just uh, for uh, maybe. this little this little small sample. The reason why I put this in here is because I ain't checking for chat GPT and AI and all that stuff yet because I personally can't figure out what is a good use case? Everybody is the expert and everybody's got all these things. You can automate this and you can uh, prompt and prompts and prompts and prompts. And I'm like, eh, whatever <laughs> trend. Get out of my face. Y'all just making up stuff. But now this makes sense <laughs> to me. I can make some money. <laughs> if I can have Chad GBT pick me some stocks that outperform the S and P and the and the Europe this and the the, the, the Nasdaq that and the Nasdaq that that makes sense to me. So when I found this story, I was pretty excited to to post it. I just wanted to read like a little the 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 gist of the story. Uh, between March sixth and April twenty eighth, a dummy portfolio of thirty eight stocks gained four point nine percent, which Ain't a lot. I don't, I, I'm not a stock, but person. for that time frame, it is. That's, it actually right. is that's a very a good, me, yeah, yeah that's explain. a very good rate of return yeah. for that time frame. Right, right, right. Uh, and I was gonna then you lead right into the point to where while ten leading investment funds clocked an average loss of zero point eight percent, according to an experimental experiment conducted by financial comparison site Finder.com. Over the same, now that's just, they beat the little, the investment funds and the hedge fund managers and all these, you know, places that you invest in. Over the same eight week period, the S&P 500 index, which tracks 500 most valuable companies in the United States, rose only 3%. Europe's equivalent, the stock, stocks, S-T-O-X-X, stocks, Europe 600 index, ticked up to 0.5% in that time. So while 4.9%, Gain doesn't sound like a lot when you're used to like six and eight and 12 and all these other things. You compare that with what the hedge fund managers did, what the investment funds did, 
and what the S&P and the NASDAQ all do. You take that 4% as opposed to the uh, chumpy 3% and even losing 0.8%. That makes sense for me <laughs> for something that I can use AI to do, pick stocks. And I just want to get y'all take on that. First thing is that this is this percentage is, o- is only over eight weeks. That is a humongous increase over an eight week period. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it is actually doing 2% better or close to 2% better than what the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, well, not the NASDAQ, we, you know, the, the New York Stock or the S&P. The S&P. So that, that, that is, that is ridiculous because if you, if you extrapolate that over a year, you're going to, you know, you know, you're, you're looking at, that's eight weeks. So you're probably looking at what, like 17 to 22% increase year to year. Mm-hmm. The only thing you ever need to do is invest in this. And, you know, if you could do that, you're doubling your money every, you know, every, not even every five years, less than every four years, you're doubling your money with those kind of rates. So that is, that is a ridiculous increase. And if you really think about it, it makes sense because what, what is, what are these, what are these APIs doing? What, what are these, uh, what are these bots doing? They have, they have all the data that is available and they're able to make decisions on that data at the speed of which computers can make decisions. So if you really think about, um, algorithms in, um, you know, in trading, this goes all the way back to the forties. It's, this is not like this is new stuff. Now, clearly they weren't using computers in the forties, but they did have an algorithm. If the, if these mathematical indicators make sense, then you do this. If they don't make sense, then you do that. And then you get to the seventies. That's when we started using computers. And then, you know, you get to the, to the eighties and that's when like super dot came out and they're really using computers. And then it just goes on and on and on. And I think that everything really changed around 2001. I believe that was the year that we went from the tick, which was like, you know, you remember how stock prices back, if you think back to like, um, trading places. That, that was my first right. introduction to <laughs> stock trading. Well, it's like, it's 42 and a quarter. It's 42 and a 16th. Everything was based off of one sixteenth um, increments. And then in 2001, they changed it to um, decimals. So you literally increased your liquidity just b- by having the ability to trade with such smaller increments and you're now mm-hmm. doing with computers. So what has really happened is that computers changed everything. You know, they, they can make decisions more quickly than humans. They can trade more quickly than humans and you can actually get things done with computers faster than what people can actually see it. And now the reason you're going to start seeing article and article about this, you had to be a hedge fund. You had to be a institutional investor to be able to do these kind of things, to have the kind of computing power to do this stuff. Now everybody can it, get access to chat GPT to, to run this. So uh, this is and even still, you said you, you uh, made all that about supercomputers and things like that. But most traders, they run on emotion. They'll see something and the stock is going down. And of course, you you it main the main one of the main rules of stock market is keep your emotions out of trading. Mm. Nobody can follow that. So these hedge fund managers, these uh, investment houses, you they'll tell you all day long, and they're using the data and the fundamental analysis and technical analysis and yada yada whatever whatever. At the time, if something's happening, they riding off emotion. You mean to tell me that I can use Chat GPT and have it pick stocks completely emotionless? Based on all the data since they've been trading on the internet, that to me is almost like that's not foolproof, but it's it see it makes more sense to where me, the person looking at the stock and saying, Oh, I read on the news that something's about to happen, so therefore I'm gonna buy or I'm gonna dump all this stock versus Chat GPT. If I trust that and not willing to risk more than I'm willing to lose, if I can just Take my emotions completely out of it, write up a, a couple of prompts, have it come up with a couple stock tips, and I just go that. Then, according to this, I'm going to do better than hedge fund managers and the stock market. That just takes the emotion out of it. My whole thing, though, is like, and I don't, you know, this may just be me with not having enough of an understanding of the financial markets, but could this turn into a situation where? Um, similar to when somebody gets like 
similar to what happened with um, Silicon Valley Bank when Peter Thiel and them got spooked and took all their money out. You know, mm-hmm. will people make a run on the stock market that now has to get paid out because ChatGPT did so well? Now you have millions of people that have to get paid out. There's still only a finite amount of money to go around. So if all of these people have to get paid out because they're they're killing the game, what does that do to the market itself? Does that crash the market when you have so many? Because the market is, you know, to your point, Terrence, about the market, the market's designed, the market's designed for somebody to lose. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it only works when more people lose than win. So if you have this, you know, this mechanism by which everybody can win, what what happens to the market at that point? Uh, Illuminati will step in. <laughs> so, yeah. So I think you're going to start seeing the institutional investors, the hedge funds, the big investment banks, you need to regulate this because mm-hmm. as long as they have the advantage and trust mm-hmm. me, Terrence, to your point, to they're not trading with emotion or they are trading with emotion. I would argue that point. They don't trade with emotion until the computers and the algorithms to predict what they think should happen doesn't happen. That when humans throw a monkey wrench into it to when their algorithm is telling them that uh, GameStop should be going down. But regular people are like, nah, we don't want GameStop to go down because we love it. So I'm going to go buy my five shares in the face of all kind of data that tells you you shouldn't do it. That's when the institutions have a problem because they can't make the money the same way that they were making it before. And they're allowing irrational people to get in front of their algorithms. I think it will be the same thing here. As long as they get access to that data first, as long as they get access uh, and they're able to make trades first, they're not going to have a problem with it because ultimately it's going to allow them to make more money. The issue becomes when they can't make money because yeah. regular people are making money. Well, now you you, you need to. You, no, you, know. you got a good point there. I think that that's what's going to get this moratorium uh, through Congress because Goldman is going to be like, yo, um, y'all understand what's going to happen to the market if y'all let these uh, AIs Regular people run, a, get paid. run a month? Mm-hmm. Yes. Do y'all know what's going to happen to our market and to our entire economy if y'all let this AI out there doing whatever it wants to do and let anybody have access to it? That may be what gets us the regulation that, you know, the guy in our main story is is looking for. Until then, I may be taking some chat GPT AI classes to get my money real quick. It it, it makes sense because if if you you better now, people, businesses, you know, we're creatures of habit. You can you can forecast what someone is going to do based off of what they've done. So if you have the ability, it's like, let's take everything that's ever been written down and look at it in in conjunction with how the market is going up and down and look at literally every single decision that's been made. And you can really forecast, well, based off of these factors, this should do this. Therefore, you know, and it's, you can even get to the, you know, to weight the percentage of what that thing happening should be and make bets off of that all at the speed of computers. So I've always thought when I, you know, this was an area where it was going to uh, start to, you know, make a difference in real people's lives. I should say regular people's lives. Because it's now giving us the benefits of the supercomputers in the same way that the institutional investors have literally had definitely throughout the 2000s. But you really have to go back. I mean, we, we, we started using computers. Uh, I think dot came around like 1972. So we're talking 51 years ago. Super dot came in 84. That's, you know, so I, I can't do the math. I don't know how many years ago that is, but, uh, that's, that's a lot of years ago that we've been using computers to do these things. But as I said, it's never been regular people. It's always been the big institutional investors, the hedge funds that have been able to do it. And now Terrence, you and I, Stephanie, we, we can go get a, you know, a, you know, chat GPT plus account and start crunching some of this. And and looking at the data and say, oh, let's, let's go do this. Cash rules everything yeah. around me. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 yeah, that's they're not gonna let that happen. They're not gonna let that happen. One of his greatest, <laughs> one of his greatest lines. But anyway, um, let's move on to this next one. This is also related to these AI bots, and it is you know for those who don't know, the Writers Guild of America is on strike right now. Now, I would say that their number one reason for being on strike is because they want 
more money. It's like they, they don't be, they don't feel like they're being paid enough. But one of the other things, one of the major things, I think one of the top four issues is they do not want to be displaced by AI. Specifically, they don't want these bots writing scripts or writing revisions to scripts. They don't want anything that has come from the Writers Guild of America, any, anything that is covered under their union that, that has been created by them. They don't want that being used to train bots to ultimately come up with new derivative works that they don't get paid on. So they're actually striking over in a large reason is over AI and, you know, seeing down the road that AI could absolutely displace them or make them make less. I was listening to a, uh, you know, to an interview when they were talking to one, you know, one of the people this, you know, you know, just a writer, but as part of the union leadership and saying, so, so here's the thing. He's like, we get paid different rates for different things. So if you write something original, that's the where you're going to get paid the most. But we also are able to come in and take an existing work and then rewrite it, rework it to make it work for today. It could have been a story that was written in the 80s and you need to re- redo some things to make it applicable to 2023. Well, if you had an AI write it and then you uh, get a writer to come in and do the revisions, you don't necessarily have to pay them as much. And that's one of, that was one of the, you know, the, the examples that they use, or you just flat out have AI writing stuff and then having us come here. You know, we, we do the initial revision and they have AI take over and do all of the, the updates to it. And they don't want any of that. So this is one of the areas where we're really seeing AI come in and potentially take people's the, jobs. The thing though, is part of the provisions that they are proposing is that they get to use AI, but the studios don't. And I'm just like, where they do that at? You know what I mean? Like, I, I thought that was, I was just like, the math ain't mathin' on, on this one so, right now. Like, I, the math ain't mathin'. I'm sorry. So, the math ain't mathin'. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that point up. I was going to go there next. So, yeah, they can use it to help them work out their thoughts and do things. <laughs> Do things with it <laughs> to ultimately make their job easier, but make they it still make get sense. they you you still pay me as though uh, I created that. Right, you know. make it make it make sense to me, writers. Like like I'm I'm all for unions and 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 rights, workers' rights, and all of that. But but make that make sense to me, y'all, because it ain't making sense to me right now. The math <laughs> is definitely not mathing. Yeah, we got a lot to figure out about this whole AI and tech thing, which still. Uh, it, to me, it, you know, regardless of what I said earlier, it is kind of soon to figure this all out, but you better get ahead of it now before you get too deep and then having to backtrack to figure out, you know, according to this story, it says, you know, um, uh, the writers feel like when you mention a writer that is a human and not a AI and technology, well, they better f- figure out those terms now. Before, while we go ahead, before we're trying to go back and trying to figure out what is a human, what is a writer, who determines what, you know, what is, what is that later? Let's just do it now. So, I mean, I get it. You know, the writer's trying to make sure they want that in ironclad, you know, in writing, you know, in the contracts or whatever the case may be. So going forward, we don't have these problems later on, which again, uh, consumerism and, uh, and, and capitalism is these uh studios are going to do whatever they can to maximize profit lower lower costs right so uh, i see i see both sides but again overall like i said they everybody this ai stuff is new so people are trying to get stuff set in stone before we go skynet <laughs> well the question that i had though ultimately i guess can i guess i, I won't say will but can human ingenuity win out, especially in these creative spaces. Like, mm-hmm. you know, is there just an upper limit as, you know, X approaches infinity that AI can can get to that that will never touch the 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 the, the inner workings of someone's creative Brian. mind. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like at, like is this going to force people to step up, creatives to step up. Like if you know you can go ahead and 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 you know reproduce almost anything that's ever been reproduced before, um, and maybe do it a little bit better, do we now have to figure out how to do it a little bit better than that? You know, mm-hmm. like is mm-hmm. d- does this take human creativity to the next level? I don't know. And it's gonna take you not it's going to take, but It'll be, it'll also equally be up to those of us who consume the content. Can we tell 
And will we prefer? But that's going to be the problem. We will, right. I don't think we'll be able to tell. That's okay. going to be the problem. Gotcha. So, yeah, I was having a conversation last week on this on another show. We were just talking about this. And you guys remember we did the story on F and Mika. That was the the avatar that actually yeah. got signed by a record label. And we're all yeah. thinking, this is trash. We're not ever going to go buy that. I mean, the record label thought somebody would because why else would you sign an AI if you didn't think that you were going to ultimately make money off it? Now, clearly in that instance, they had to back off because it was it was mm-hmm. very problematic for a lot of reasons. But that was last year that we talked about that. Um, we hadn't even heard about chat GPT unless you were really in the AI before, you know, you know, when that F and Mika story came out. So now we're, you know, we're a year removed from that and AI is, it, it, it seems like it's new to everybody because we're really talking about it now. It's just new to us because it's like, oh, it has become so good that we, you know, regular people are starting to look at it. So I think what's going to end up happening is that you will eventually get to the point to where you have an AI that can do something as well as what a human could. That's, that's what they ultimately are designed to do. They're, you know, they're, they're trying to make them be as good as what we can, you know, as what we can be. So the question becomes one of twofold. Do the, you know, do the folks who are using the AI to, to do the creation, do they let us know that it was an AI versus a human? Um, is, you know, you know, where are we going to be ethically on that? You know, do you let me know that this is an AI that did this or this, this was a human? Um, number one. And if they do, and if they do real quick, and if they do have to tell us, my second point that I was getting to is, will we prefer human created content or will <laughs> we, we not we'll care? probably prefer AI generated content. <laughs> well, they, they, they have been doing that already. Like some of the um, tech blogs specifically have been um, post publishing AI generated articles and they've been putting that disclaimer in the title, this part portions of this article were AI generated or, you know, whatever, just to, to be full disclosure, but that's journalism, you know, when, when, where it counts to be transparent and authentic. I think, you know, when you start talking about movies and, and, and music, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be some shit, yo. It's, it's really going to be some shit. We're going to have to figure this out because my stance right now is that I don't want to pay for some AI generated thing when I can go buy Jay-Z tickets. Uh, you know, why would I do that? The problem comes in when I don't know that it was AI generated and it's just, oh, this, this track is banging. I'm just listening to it on, right. uh, you know, on Amazon well, music they, or they on got, iTunes they or got, whatever. They got Jay-Z's voice rapping ether right now mm-hmm. that hit the internet and like Nas's ether and uh-huh. which would never happen right. <laughs> in real life. But they, but it's just like, I mean, it's, it's something, this is not going away. This is, you know, and when we first heard it, oh, this is going to be a flash in the pan. Some people were saying, nah, this isn't, this is, this is not going anywhere. It is going to well, be so, here. It's only going to get better and we're going to have to learn how to work with it. I, I was, I was saying I was on another show talking about this. Uh, I've got a good friend who is, he is diving in. He is actually an artist. This, you know, this, this is art is something that he does, but it's like, this is the way, this is the way the world's going. It's like at one point I had to learn how to, I had to learn how to do things digitally. It's like when I first got into this, I was tagging subway trains. Then I had to learn. I couldn't just use spray cans. I had to learn how to, you know, let's go to art school and actually do some stuff on canvas. And then while in art school, that's when the computer aided, uh, you know, artwork came in. It's like so every few years I'm updating and doing something, you know, something different. So now I'm learning how to write prompts. Um, in fact, I got two friends who are doing it. Terrence, you know, one of them, uh, you know, who is actually you know, doing stuff with mid journey and the prompts they're writing and the, and the stuff that he's getting from these prompts that he's writing. I, you know, one of the things I was talking with him about was that this is something that literally, this is like going to be a new job description. Somebody to actually be able to come up and write these prompts to get no, it, the it already is. To do it's the not things. going, it's so, not going to be a new job description. Yeah. There are already job yeah, so. postings out there for people that can write these prompts. And it's just like, it, it's kind of sad in a way that that we're so willing to relinquish our entire intellectual property, like of the world to a computer. Like it, it just, I don't know. It's kind of sad. It, and as somebody who loves technology, it, it's, it's sad for me to think that that's where we're going, but, but that's where we're going. We're literally relinquishing every bit of our intellectual property to a computer. But I guess the ultimate question to me is, well, the, 
thing that we can still kind of relax on uh, as far as this freaking out, right? We still have to, we as in humans, still have to write the prompts, right? Which asks the question. For now. Is, well, right, for now. The question is, uh, is this AI, if it's just digging into data based off of what our commands are, is that just machine learning? But we're calling it AI because that's the cool term that people ran with, right? I think the real problem is going to be when this really is artificial intelligence to where it really doesn't need a command or a prompt from us. So all that you know, silver lining, we still are in the mix <laughs> until, like you said, until we ain't. <laughs> exactly. For now. And I don't think it's that far away, you know, that, that we we will cease to be in the mix. I don't think we're that far away from that. I, I don't want to give the plot of this show that I started watching called Mrs. Davis away. Uh, it is on Peacock and it is about a supercomputer, super AI that is just controlling people all kind of way, giving, giving everybody what they want so that it gets what it wants. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that this is that, but I, I see parallels because here's the question. Um, I, I trust people when they say that we still are a ways away from computers actually being sentient. Uh, w- one of the things is really interesting about all the cool things. Why do you, why do you think we're a ways away? Uh, well, I think we're a ways away from when computers are actively thinking for themselves. But here's the thing that I say is that, but if they can fool you into thinking that they are, where's the difference? Right. So, and, we, if somebody and, and that's kind of where we are a, right now. A, fool a guy to, to, to uh, uh, what, what did he do? He, the, the computer got the guy to use TaskRabbit to fill out the CAPTCHA? Yeah. Like, mm, yeah. Yeah. that's pretty sentient. Right. So Because <laughs> you're solving a complex problem at that point. Right. You know so, what I mean? And I think that's kind of fits the definition of, so of like, sentience. Like, you know, they're saying that this is not sentient. I'm going to trust their word. But like I said, the, the question comes no. is what is the difference? If it's fooling me anyway, does it matter? Does it matter that the fact that the computer is sentient and knows it is fooling me or knows it just needs to fool me to get the information that it wants so that it can do the job that it was programmed to do? Those are almost identical statements to me. Yeah, so. I don't think it matters. Same way, the same way the robot killed old boy and ex machina. She didn't think about the value of a human life. She just wanted to get out of the house. That's, yeah. So that was the goal. the difference. Yeah, yeah exactly. That the person's the still dead. So, so. it's like, what is the difference? You know what I mean? What is the difference? It wasn't malicious. It wasn't, she and wasn't like. And that fool knew it was a robot. Right. It's like, the bro, robot, come on, man. The robot wasn't a on, serial man. killer. The robot just wanted to get out of the house and knew that fool. that was the most efficient way to do it. And it's just like, we, we, we. we I would have been in that movie. I'd have been like, what am I doing? This is a robot. Guys. It's a robot. <laughs> he was what, in, who am I talking to? What am I doing? He was in right. love with them ones and zeros. He was falling in love. He was falling in love. She passed that whole touring test. <laughs> for real, for real. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So y'all, uh, we haven't talked about black Twitter in a while. Uh, I, I know we, you know, it might've been in our first, in our first year, in our first, probably in our first 20 shows, we probably did something on, on, on black Twitter. Cause, cause it's a thing. It's, it's interesting how when you think about Twitter specifically, 
African-Americans, we really overrepresent, you know, as far as our numbers, like, you know, we're roughly 14 percent of uh, the population in the United States, but we're 28 percent of the population of American Twitter users. But since old boy bought, you know, uh, Twitter and Twitter was problematic even before Elon bought it, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, for underrepresented groups. But since he bought it and he decided we're going to put things back to the, you know, to the good old days, we want to we want to go back to how it used to be. It has just become really, really, really toxic. If you say anything on there, you are going to have trolls coming after you. So there's been a lot of folks that have been moving off of Twitter on other things. They've, you know, tried moving over to Mastodon, but there's this new John out there called Blue Sky. And I know we've talked about it before, but, um, this article caught my eye because it says specifically black tech Twitter. So that is actually, mm-hmm. it, it is not, it, you know, black tech Twitter is not black Twitter. It, it is something different. And it's specifically, uh, you know, for folks who are, you know, looking to get into, you know, in, you know, into tech who, uh, you know, who are looking for jobs in tech and all that kind of stuff. And it's like a big support group. But as everything is on Twitter, stuff started to go to crap in, you know, in the comments sections of, you know, of some of these threads that would start, uh, you know, here in black tech Twitter. So one of the places that, uh, black tech Twitter specifically is looking to go to is blue sky. And I wanted to kind of get your guys' take on that for a couple of reasons, because one of the things that we've talked about before is that should groups, should they just build their own, you know, should you, instead of trying to build, you know, or go to blue sky and build, you know, get a foothold in blue sky. I should you just build your we, own blue sky? I think we did that. It's, yeah. it's called, what is it called? There's, there's a, there's an actual black Twitter the, out you, there. You, um, I can't, I can't remember. And, and that's the problem. I can't remember the name of yeah. it. So <laughs> clearly it, the marketing game is, is, is not up to par and, and, you know, the platform may be not fully fleshed out, but there is an, I think it's called blacktwitter.com. I think it is actually called black Twitter. Um, and it, you know, same sort of interface and that whole thing. Um, I, I thought I, I looked into, I had, I've been here in blue sky, blue sky, blue sky, uh, couldn't get an invite. Obviously I'm on the wait list. Uh, so if anybody got a blue sky invite, holla at your girl. Um, but I was looking at how they set it up and I thought it was really interesting, uh, the way they're trying to number one, the way they set the company up as a public benefit LLC. Um, number one, I thought that was super interesting because it now means that executives may pursue social causes without prioritizing shareholder returns. Um, so, you know, they can do, they, they, everything ain't always got to be about the bottom line. So we'll see, you know, how that manifests itself in the way they operate since everything ain't got to since they ain't got to make money necessarily for now. Yeah. For now, <laughs> for now. Um, and then they're, they're, they're whole, the whole idea of this AT protocol, I don't know if it's AT or at protocol. Um, and the, and the way they are planning to do moderation, um, is going to be interesting. You know, right now, I think it's just all human moderators plus, you know, a little bit of AI and, and some other stuff, but they are going to allow anybody to create these labels. Um, and I guess you get to sort of decide how you want your experience to be. It's a, it sounds like a very, they, they're, they're like, it's decentralized. You know, you can take your, your data and your identity with you to different platforms and it sounds it all sounds very utopian but we're Ain't human no beings right. exactly we're human beings and it's just it, it'll yeah i mean god bless them for trying that's all i could say and that's what i was gonna say you know um yeah sure you could attribute the current state of twitter to the current ownership and the current leadership or whatever you want to call it um, but you will not ever be able to outrun dissent and, and people looking and trolls specifically. Trolls. Yeah. Um, you sure, uh, black tech Twitter or black Twitter, anybody that is disgruntled with how things are going on Twitter can say, Oh, we're moving over to this thing. And it's so much nicer for now until the rest of the world follows right. you when over to blue 50, sky thousand people on the platform yeah. right and that's one and then number two what i have always believed about people in general and if we're talking to be more specific black tech twitter or black twitter in general right i think the allure and correct me if i'm wrong 
the allure of Twitter is being able to speak into a large community and everybody be able to see it. Black Twitter, as much as they wanted to kind of we're unique, we're a different thing, we're a new thing. Those people or the people who claim to be a part of that group still want to speak to the masses. Mm -hmm. But they wanted to be able to say, okay, the subjects, the the lingo, the culture is ours, right? But you still want to talk to everybody. You still want people to see it, but you want to gatekeep. Quote, quote, I'm, I'm using the term very, very loosely, gatekeep, right? If black Twitter goes over the blue sky and it ain't popping like Twitter is to where everybody's over there and everybody can see it and whatever, I, I think the, the, the luster will kind of, it'll kind of die down because not everybody, you're not getting the same experience. So I'm not, this is not a warning to black Twitter or anything like that. I just, I just am curious as to how the experience will be when less people are over there and you're really only talking to a certain group of people. And uh, more importantly, only a certain group of people are going to see it. Will that the effects that the uh, black Twitter be different because everybody it ain't open to everybody like Twitter is because everybody's on Twitter and everybody can see it. Well, yeah. So on Twitter and, and if you're in the black Twitter hashtag, the reason that Oscar so white is going to go super viral like it does, because it first goes viral within black Twitter, but then it goes super viral outside of it. Mm-hmm. If you only are black Twitter then your opportunity mm-hmm. to go viral is only within your community. So it's not going right. to get picked up by the rest right. of earth in, in the same way. So that, that's mm-hmm. a problem. And you know, it's the same issue that we were saying back when we were talking about the black Twitter app. The other thing is that there's only 50,000 folks over there and it's invite only. So for the most part, the people who are going over to blue sky or the folks who are going over to Mastodon or any of these other federated systems that don't really have really good moderation yet is that there's just not enough people over there to, to bring over be a the trolls yeah. because the trolls that are like the professional trolls, they want to troll where they have massive, massive eyeballs on their stuff, right. massive impact. So the, the reason I like this, uh, the story from a black tech Twitter standpoint is that for the most part, that, that hashtag, th- these are people who are really looking for, uh, hey, did you, have you heard of a position over here? Or my company's got a position for this. It is literally the community helping the community to find mm-hmm. opportunity and to level up, skill up, that kind of thing. So that's kind of going to work. The one thing that I, that I'm really concerned with is that, uh, believe it or not, and I'll say it this way. Twitter has the capability of being really good with moderation. You may or may not like the rules that they are now playing by because ownership has changed, but their capability with moderation is actually quite good. When you start looking at Blue Sky, when you look at Mastodon and these systems are they're federated systems. So it's not like it is one company. It is a bunch of companies that are all kind of kind of sort of playing from the same playbook. But where things start to get dicey, number one, is that what I've heard about Blue Sky is that they probably are six months behind where they should be on the actual moderation part. Because once people really start to get to using this thing, Aren't the they moderation, always? They, they always are. So th- this is this is what a lot of folks are saying. That's thing number one. Thing number two is that because it is federated and because you can have all of these different fiefdoms within the system that you may have moderation set up in your instance one way. But if but you can deal with people who are in another instance who may allow other stuff. So one of the the, one of the issues is that, well, you may not allow X, Y and Z Roman numerals one, two and three. But if you actually are connected to someone on another server who does, then your instance is now bringing that information into your database. And, you know, for which you could be liable for. Now you've got to figure out how to moderate that stuff inside of your instance that you didn't even create inside of your instance. So there's there's a lot of problems with it. It's like we we keep trying to create this democratic process that does not exist human nature i mean i don't i don't know it is it's like you look at look at our country right now like human nature and democracy i are not coexisting well in this moment um i don't know if they ever did i think it was a tenuous relationship at best um that is now being stretched to its limit 
and it's about to snap at any moment. Um, and, and the idea that you are going to try to do the same thing on a social media platform where people still get to be quasi anonymous, where people still, you know, have the belief that they can say whatever they want. Yeah, like, it's just like, I, like I said, bless, bless Jack's heart and, and the other boy that's running it. But it just like you, you're just going to keep running into the same problems because people are to your, to your, I saw your, your comment, people are going to people and, and it's just, it just is what it is. You're not going to be able, there's no technical solution to human nature. There just mm-hmm. isn't, you mm-hmm. know, as, as much as we might want it to be and, and everything else, there is no technical solution to human nature and we can, we can do as much as we can. But at the end of the day, you know, as soon as these, as the floodgates open on this platform, which they will, they, they, they kind of alluded to the fact that they were going to try to keep it invite only to curate the, the people that actually get on the platform. And, and if, if somebody, you know, invites you, they're only going to invite people they know how, that know how to act right or whatever the case mm-hmm. might be. Um, that, that's not going to happen. That's not going to last for long. We saw that with Clubhouse. You know, they tried to keep Clubhouse hella exclusive until it wasn't. And then it was a mess. It was an absolute mm-hmm. mess. And, and this is going to be the same. So um, let's move into uh, this next story. Stephanie, I think you stuck this one in here and it's about yeah. pass key. And, uh, you know, our pass keys the way I'd love to say yes. Um, and we can explain what pass keys are. Do uh, we know where I, why I put the way in there? Are we, are we yes. all clear? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but let's, let's go ahead. Let, let's tell folks what pass keys are and then let's let them in on the pun. Well, I was hoping one of y'all could be a better explainer because I've read and I was just like, I get it, but I'm, I'm still digesting and processing. So if somebody else can explain it better than I would try to right now. I, I open up the floor to, to either one of y'all. I'll take a stab. So yeah. when you, so let's first talk about passwords and usernames. So when you think about passwords and usernames, you have two things that you have to remember. You have to remember what you are logging in as, and you have to remember a password that should be unique, not be used anywhere else and have all the rules for passwords. Well, humans are really bad at doing both of those things. Um, yes. We tend to be able to remember our username, but passwords, once you get beyond four, five, six really good, complex, uh, you know, good passwords that would pass a password test or password score, you can you can probably remember four or five of them. But people tend to have two, three, 400 different places where they need to have passwords. So what ends up happening is that people end up doing shortcuts. I'm going to use, well, my password was password, but now I'm going to use password one, two, three. I can't use that anymore. Let's use password three, two, one. You start using iterations of the same password. If you're trying to be good, if you're not even trying to be good, you just use the same password over and over and over and over again. So um, it just becomes not, you know, you, you get hacked one place. You're kind of hacked everywhere. If somebody gets your password and your hash, well, let's just go use this username and use this hash to try to figure out whether or not we can get into a password somewhere else. So that, that's that's where passwords are. That's what, one of the reasons you have an issue with it. Where pass keys come in, and I want to say it was like the FIDO alliance that actually, you know, came up with right. this is that you you yourself aren't actually creating a pass, you know, like a password that you have to remember. Right. So um, like, like a place that I actually do use a pass key is the Best Buy website. So I've, I've been able to go into Best Buy and with my phone, create this pass key to where I just got to remember that I have an account at Best Buy and I could take a picture of a QR code. It is going to ultimately get me into the system. Now I'm not talking about the technology at all. Uh, you know, um, maybe we'll bring somebody on who can talk in depth about how these things work. But essentially what you're doing is you're getting rid of the person having to remember their username and having to remember a password associated with the username. They just need to remember that I do have an account on this particular website in this particular and they have service. to have that device and they have to it's, have it's, a device device that's the one thing i do right. understand it is that it it is device specific and that's right. pretty much it it's pretty much that's yeah. that's the gist of it you you have to have your phone you have to have access to your phone that creates that key that gets you into the password right. I mean, gets you into the account the website or whatever the case may be if you don't have your phone 
or you don't have access to your phone, that means you can't unlock it using your, um, what they call it, biometrics, right. the eyeball or your thumbprint or your face, right? If you don't have that, then you can't access the site. They can't generate the key for you. Therefore, somebody trying to hack me either needs my phone, you know, to, or cut my eyeball out, <laughs> take right. my thumb off mm-hmm. to right. put it on my phone, to just hold my eyeball up to my phone to get into the website too. So in theory, that is more secure than me creating a password, like Rob said, that's weak or me putting the password somewhere that can be hacked. Right. Like a last pass. So like a what yada, is yada, the yada. difference between the fact that I can open my phone right now with face ID? So is a passkey face ID? Like what is you, the difference you, between having face ID on my phone to unlock my phone and then using a passkey that needs face ID to, to enable it to unlock my bank account? Well, it's one of the same because your computer, well, let me not say your computer, one of the same. If you didn't have your phone and you wanted to log into Bank of America using your thumbprint or whatever the case may be, how is the website going to do that function? Right. Does the website have a camera? Does the website have a way to get your thumbprint or your whatever? The only right. way we know how to do that is via a phone. Since the phone can do it, then the phone, the websites are then entrusting the phone to create this key that you, then you use your biometrics to move on to the to the uh, website that way. So mm-hmm. it really isn't different. You're using your face to unlock your phone. Since you can use your face or your thumb or your eyeball to unlock your phone, then the websites are entrusting that technology to then create the key to let you in. So it's pretty much the same. Again, okay. if you can't get it, if you if if your face changes and your phone forgets your face or your thumb or whatever. The, the logic is then since you can't access your phone, you can't access his website. Right. So then the security is, okay, well, if he can't do it, the person who owns it, then somebody trying to hack him certainly can't do it. And again, like I said, unless they chop my eyeball off or take my thumb off, yeah. which is very gross, but you get the point. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's making you, it's, it's making you more secure by not allowing you to authenticate by something that you know. It's making you authenticate by something that you have. You have a Facebook, you, you know, you have an ID. So, and here's the other thing. It doesn't have to be a phone. You could do it on, like, on your computer as well. Stephanie, right, you're using the right. same computer I'm using. It's got a thumbprint or a fingerprint scanner on it. You could set up a passkey, uh, you know, in mul- a multitude of applications that will run on that PC right. and then use your biometrics on that PC to authenticate with that website. The problem is that you don't generally walk around with your laptop with you. We, you know, like we did back in the day where you, wherever you want your laptop went now it's pretty much just your phone maybe a tablet but your phone is the thing that you have with you so that's so it's so it's, it's so you know explain it to me like i'm five it's basically face id for everything yep yep or your thumb pretty or your much eyeball, or, or yeah by, i'm just yeah. saying face it's, id just to simplify right. it but face mm-hmm. id to get into everything like right mm-hmm. now you know face id will get me into my phone it'll get like i i enable it for you know, uh, my bank and, and, and the other, some other very secure, um, apps mm-hmm. that already allow it, but mm-hmm. this actually makes it for everything. And it eliminates the password because the, right. the, 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 the accounts that you sign into now, they you still do, autofill. Yeah. And then, they or do, it'll say, um, use your face ID, but as a backup, you need to remember your password, right? Yeah, well, yeah. It, the, it is kind of like a, well, that's a, actually, a second uh, level of authentication. That's actually right where now. the problem comes in because, mm-hmm. like I said, the, the the websites that I know that I can use pass keys on are almost all e-commerce websites. The one mm-hmm. thing they are never going to do is not allow me to give them money because I I don't have my phone. So right. in almost every case, <laughs> even though they're setting up and you can use passkey, I believe you can use it now with uh, PayPal, you can use passkey, but you still have to have a username and password a- as your backup because for whatever reason, you lose your phone, you can't get in. Like Best Buy is never going to have the opportunity. They're never going to say, well, you know what, Rob, since you don't have your phone, you can't give us money trying to log into your account. They're going to have another unsecure way for me to get in. And that's where the problem lies. It's like in order for passkey to be the promise that everybody wants it to be, it it's has to replace, has to, has to replace well, passwords. Google just enabled it. So mm-hmm. it has replaced 
passwords in Gmail and all Google products. So mm-hmm. unless you need there. to log in without it and you still can't. We're getting there. We're we're so, we're getting there. So mm-hmm. um so yeah, it is it is it the way? It's it, it can be, but it's gonna take a while for it to get there. Uh, like I said, it it is really, really cool technology, but you have to you, you know, in order for it to really have the promise is that everyone is using it and only using it. Um, as compared to still having these, uh, passwords that can be ridiculously unsecure and very, very hackable. So I, I would love to see more places, uh, you know, do this, but it, it's pretty limited right now. When, when I say it's pretty limited, I, I want to say the number of websites that we've heard of that you can use this is in the dozens, not in the mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands. It's, it's in the, it literally like 87 of them. I mean, I'm, I'm making, I'm pulling that number out of the air, but it's not a lot of websites. That uh, we've heard of that are actually doing it. It's, you know, um, you know, if you're using certain, uh, password vaults. Oh, well, we now have passkey, uh, you know, that you can use passkey with us. I want to say one password actually uses it and it's pretty cool. And it's like, well, why would you, why would you still need a password vault if you're using pass, uh, you know, if you're using passkey is because for all the other places that you don't have the ability to use, uh, you, you, um, you know, passkey, you still need to have passwords. Another reason why something like one password is, uh, you know, is, is a cool place to do passkey because it itself is what you're authenticating with and you can still use a username and password to authenticate with it. And now, you know, it may make you do two factor authentication to make sure that it is you, but you can actually use a password vault as your passkey authenticator. Which is, you know, which is like multi-level. So I could go to your computer, pull up my one password on your computer, authenticate on your computer to my pass key in one, you know, in one password and then allow me to log into the Best Buy website. So, so it's, it's, it, it has the opportunity to be really, really good. It's just we're so, we're so ingrained in using passwords. You kind of need all of earth to say, okay, this is the new thing. We're all going to turn this on, on July 15th. And this is just what everybody's going to do. And that's never going to happen. It'll be years right. and years and years. The passwords still need to be around. Uh, yeah. Which is fair. I mean, we got to ramp up. We yeah. just can't tell everybody, Hey, yeah. Stop this. using passwords. Right. After after 60 years, right. don't use a password. No, where my concern comes in is that does it take it so long that by the time we actually get to start start getting close to mass adoption of passkey, there's something that's better come along that makes the whole well, thing easier. It's like, oh, now, it now we're starting all over again. more yeah. time for hackers to figure out how to get around it. Mm-hmm. That's all. So, y'all, um, I don't think we have a spotlight this week. But do you know what we do have? We got a raise. And I got a shout out and Terrence, you're not going to like it, but I'm going to do it because this one is special. Jeff uh, Steinhauer, he actually gets flowers. You know why? Because he is now giving us raises twice. This dude gave us he he actually sent a message last year. Like, hey, literally the same time last year, sent us a message. Hey, I got a raise at work, so I'm giving you guys one. Well, you know what? It looks like, uh, you know, the review review time came, you know, came again. He has now given us a second raise, uh, you know, for the second year in a row. So shout we definitely got to shout out Jeff Steinhauer. I mean, we really appreciate it. Um, right. This is this is someone who has been riding with us since literally the very beginning of the show. And uh, so I wanted to make sure that we, uh, you know, we, gotta, we, we, we really get appreciate Jeff it. In the, in, the, in the chat. Where's Jeff on Mondays? We would love to see him. And- Thank him so real can, time. So we can give him his flowers. That's while right. He's in the chat. <laughs> well, you know, like I said, I, 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 I know you don't like that. But since we gave him to him last year, he will get some more this year because that's what he's expecting. So so we want what, what I want to what I, uh, my sick joke is we say, oh, we're giving somebody flowers and then six weeks from now they die because we gave them flowers so we got to change it up it's like all right well no it's no no don't give me <laughs> right like I, I i imagine that being a saturday night saturday night live skit right to where everybody's giving somebody flowers every and time two you weeks get left. flowers don't give right. them this flowers right wait no 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 don't no flowers yeah. no flowers and then <laughs> <laughs> so with that, y'all, let's go ahead and start getting ready to wrap it up. Uh, Tech Life Steph, tell the folks how they can get at you. It tell is official now. You, you official it's now. Official. You official. I'm official. You can follow me all around the web at Tech Life Steph, or you can visit the brand new StephanieHumphrey.com. Live mm-hmm. and in full effect. 
check it out. Sign up. I actually uh, um, have a couple of free ebooks coming out uh, pretty soon. So sign up to be the first on the list to get the drop. All right. Congratulations. Congratulations. Uh, you can find me everywhere on the internet at Brother Tech. That's B R O T H A T E C H. And I am at Rob Dunwood on all the things. And we are also at The Tech John on all the things. So come and holler at us wherever you holler. Till we mm-hmm. meet again in a week's time, y'all. Peace. 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 Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.